Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. We're going to go to our text that we've been huddled around. That's Galatians chapter 6, verse 23 through 29. And I'm going to be teaching on the holy place today. This is the second stage. How many remember last week we had the altar of incense? I'm sorry, we had the, the brazen altar and we had the laver. We had the sacrifice, the repentance, and we had the baptism and the washing of the word. So this week we're going to deal with what's right inside the tabernacle tent, the de- the door that goes into the main tent. There's something called the holy place. This is the whole, the furniture that's in the holy place. We're going to deal with that. So let's read Galatians six twenty three through 29. Reese, if you would read that for us. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that, faith has come, We are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Neither is there Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Amen. And so... When we talk about what we're going to talk about today, we're talking about a place where the priests serve the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we want to be joint heirs. We want to be joined together with you, Lord God, but we want to be in the right place, Lord Jesus, at the right time, and we want to be used of you, Lord Jesus. We want to serve you in a very special way in our own lives. We want our purpose to be found in you. Would you help us to do that today in Jesus' name? Everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated. Nate's going to put up a picture, and if you remember last week, we had that laver, like I said, in the brazen altar, but if we were to look at this picture that he's going to put up, and we had the brazen laver here, the washing location, and then the brazen altar where they offered the sacrifice of the lambs and different things out here, you would notice this picture, which is the furniture is set up in the shape of a cross, do you remember last week whenever I told you that when you look through the brazen, um, the brazen altar, you should see Jesus Christ because he was the fulfillment of that? Do you remember that last week? Okay, just doing a little bit of review. So if, they, if those two pieces of furniture, you can envision them out here. What you see happening is you see that every place where Jesus was wounded is a place where the tabernacle furniture was placed, okay? Every place where he was wounded, so where his feet were wounded, you see the burnt offering the, the, the place where the brazen uh, sacrifice was made. Where, where you see um, where he was bruised or his back was striped for us, you see that there was a washing and there was where his side was pierced and blood and water flowed. That's typical of what would be here, the brazen altar, okay? The, the baptism. When, when the centurion, the Roman guard, pierced Jesus in his side, blood and water flowed out, meaning his heart had literally ruptured in the, what's called a pericardial sac 
sack that goes around the heart had filled with water. So blood and water flowed out of his side. And that is where the church was born from Jesus' side because blood is what was needed to remove sin. Water was needed to remit and baptism in the spirit would come on the first day, on the day when he rose out of the grave. So we were, we were seeing right then in that position where he was wounded in the side that there was washing taking place. And then in the center of the cross is called prayer, prayed in, in the garden. Jesus actually prayed. But if you look at another uh, particular rendering, I only had one that I could find. And there is the, the brazen, um, the incense, the altar of incense right in the center. And so pray for me, somebody. I don't know what's going on in here today, but I really feel a spirit of heaviness on somebody. Past the veil. So once you get past the veil into the Holy of Holies, you realize that's where they put the crown of thorns on Jesus' head. And and there's some that believe they know how many thorns that that. It was just the place where the authority of God was placed, where the crown, he, he took a crown off in glory and he put on a crown of thorns to tell us that he was taking on our suffering and that by his suffering, by him bearing the crown of the authority of that suffering, that he was literally taking on our pain. And then on the right, there was the bread of life, which is the table of showbread where his, his hand was pierced, amen? And on the other side where his hand was pierced is the light. And this light is the menorah candle, the Jewish candle. And those, in those days, they would celebrate Jesus Christ and, and, and the acceleration of the miracles of God. So whenever they would come to light this, they would light it from right to left. The first one they would light would be on the right right here. And they would light that one first, the first day that they celebrated. And each consecutive day, they would light another candle until they got to the end of the menorah. And what it meant was that God was their light. Not only that, but God had done many miracles and that the miracles would accelerate and would increase. Amen. So each one of those things was to them, it was look at how God started and how God increased. That's what, that's what they would see when they were lighting the candles. When they came to the table of showbread and they would see the, the bread there, they would take the bread and they would eat of it. And that was the, the meal for them, for the priests. But what you have to understand is they had always had to replace the bread. They always had to do certain things to replace the bread. And as they would take the bread off, a new loaf of bread would go on. And so we have to realize that they were always concerned about having fresh bread in the tabernacle. And so we have to also know that the bread of life, Jesus Christ, has to be in the tabernacle all the time. We need fresh bread, amen? And it was warm and it was kept fresh. How many know that stale bread's not good? How many have ever made a sandwich with stale bread, bite into it and go, oh... Didn't matter how good the ingredients were you put into it. Didn't matter how awesome the roast beast, I mean roast beef was. It didn't matter all the good stuff that went inside that sandwich. It just got ruined because the bread was bad. Anybody ever pull a loaf of bread out of the refrigerator and it has mold on it? It didn't matter if it had mold on it. See, my grandmother used to break off the piece of mold and then cut it and make us a sandwich anyways. Anybody been there? And I was like, I don't want any of that. You can keep all, the entire loaf is bad to me. So we have to realize just as much as it would, it would disgust me to see mold on the corner of a bread that I didn't want anything to do with, it even, it's even worse that if in the house of God, Jesus becomes stale to us and becomes old, everything else can be good. You can have good worship, good music, good, good times in the Lord. You can have good fellowship, but Jesus has to be hot, amen? We have to be serving hot bread here, amen? So you have to understand that we're not just here to take a part of Jesus. We're here to take a whole. And there are a lot of places where you, you have people and they start to hand out, hand out Jesus, but they only give out a piece of him. 
Amen? They're not giving out the full loaf. They're giving out a portion of truth and only a piece of truth. And we're supposed to have all of Jesus in our life. We're supposed to know that he is God Almighty, that there is only one true and living God, and that we are supposed to come to him a certain way. We're supposed to repent of our sins. But see what happens with you. If you just start handing out little pieces of Jesus Christ to people, and you're only giving them a little bit of Jesus, then guess what? They get a little bit, a little bit hungry. They get a taste for it. And this is just an appetizer, right? So what you've done is you've created a need for them to have more, and you're only giving them a little bit. And then what about the people that don't get some? What you have to find in the house is you have to find the ability to share the entire word of God with people so that they can hear the whole counsel of God. They can know that I'm truly saved, that I know Jesus. I'm not just handing out a piece of the bread to you, but I'm saying, here's Jesus, the bread of life. Take him, eat of him, take it home with you. Feed on it on Monday, feed on it on Tuesday. Let it nourish you on Wednesday, Thursday. He's probably going to eat some of it, but anyways... I'll put that back if you'd like to not hold that. Okay, if you want to put it back in the bowl, you can do that. Let's give Jesse a big hand for letting me use him. <laughs> the illustration. So what you have to do is you have to find a place where God allows allows us to be nourished by him. So in first... In, in the first place that I want to stop today, I want you to see that the cross is the picture of the tabernacle. So, and, I, and as I was reminding us and refreshing us on what we went through last week, I wanted you to remember that we serve, we need to serve God with the same tenacity as we were to serve the Pharaoh that he brought us from. Egypt was a type of and shadow of the world, okay? Egypt was like the world that we live in, and God would bring us out of the world, amen? And he brings us out through redemption. He brings us out through deliverance and repentance and through the water and baptism. And then when they stood on the banks, the people of Israel stood on the banks and and sang a song, the horse and the rider has he cast into the sea. They began to celebrate with praise what God had done. Amen. So we talked about the fact that God has delivered them and God would then teach them how to worship him for what he has done. And then we have to move on to a place where we understand that God wants to dwell with us. Everyone say, dwell with us. So we have to know that God's house is supposed to be the house of prayer, amen? Right. And we have to realize that God dwells in praise. And we have to also understand that praise is a, is a component of prayer. Because when the disciples asked Jesus to teach us to pray, he said, pray like this. Don't repeat the words, but do this model, okay? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Praise goes into the beginning of your prayer, amen? So some people think that praise and worship is separate from prayer altogether, but really praise and worship is the central theme of the house of God. It is prayer that we lift up, and through prayer we need to come to him with things giving in our heart. We need to come to him with a praise on our lips. We don't just sit there and, and just think about God, but he literally wants us to use our lips. The Bible talks about us being kings and priests and that as priests in service to God, we should bring him the fruit of our lips. Amen. What is the fruit of our lips? It is the words that we give to God. Does he know what we want to say? And does he know what we're going to say? Yes, he's an all-knowing God, but he loves it when we talk to them. My wife and I spend time sometimes 
sometimes just sitting on a date, we'll just sit there and, and just be near each other. But sometimes she likes for me to tell her things about my day because the interaction is what she desires. And you know what? I'm probably not telling her anything she doesn't already know. She knows where I work. She knows where I drive to. She knows what I do on a regular basis. But there's some kind of connection that takes place when I start sharing what my day was like and how it went. And she enjoys that. Same thing with God. The Bible says that the church is the bride and he's the groom. Amen. And we are to begin to have a relationship with him through prayer that is a communication and a connection. And you start to develop that communication relationship and you start to develop a deeper connection with God and you realize that yes, salvation may be a process, but while I'm living out every day, he wants me to tell him about my day. He wants me to have a conversation with him about the things that bother me. You'd stop talking to everybody else about the things that bother you if you start taking it to Jesus. Amen. Whenever the disciples of John found out that John had been beheaded, they went and buried his body and they went and they told Jesus, some things are left best in the hands of Jesus. Someone said, amen. Amen. And so we have to realize that our prayers, when we give them to the Lord, we don't have to necessarily talk to anybody else about them because when we hand it to the Lord, he's going to take care of it. Amen. I'm going to hit that a minute for in just a minute longer, but um, in just a minute I want to talk more about that. But I want you to know that there was three different types of smoke in the tabernacle. The smoke that came from the altar where the brazen sacrifice was. And then there was the smoke that came from the altar of incense that I'm preaching from right now. And they would put incense on that altar and they would light it and it would change the atmosphere. Someone say change the atmosphere. And even though it was a spice and it was developed in Exodus 30, we can see how they developed the spices. And each one of the components or ingredients of the spices meant something in the Old Testament. And they mean something to us. They're a foreshadowing of different things. I'm not going to go into all that, but I want to hit the third kind of smoke. And that was the smoke of the Holy Spirit inside the tabernacle. We're going to go on in to the Holy of Holies next week. And we're going to see some beautiful things. And I, I pray that you can be here. But what we have to understand is that this is where the priest dwelt most often, where they were nourished and where they offered incense and there was supposed to be a fire that was lit in the house of God, that incense that was never supposed to go out and that incense would go up to God like a sweet smelling savor to God and he was, and it was really changing the smell of the atmosphere because the priest would be offering sacrifice and there would be this, the smell and the stench of burnt offering and the animals that they had burnt and the smell of burnt flesh and all of that would get into their garments and into their clothes and the dead things that were out in the outer tabernacle would affect their clothes and, and the smell that was on them. So when they came in to the holy place inside the tent, that incense would literally change the environment, but it would also change them. Amen. So what we have to understand is prayer doesn't just change the things around us. It's designed to change us. Right. And even in the New Testament, we find out people that had strong prayer lives. Paul, they would cut out pieces of his garment and send them to people that were sick as a token. Those people would get saved. In other words, when the anointing of God falls on your life and whenever you have a prayer relationship with God, then God's spirit anoints your life or blesses your life. It does more than just change the things around you. It changes you so much that it even affects the things that you wear and do. Amen? Right. 
And so we see different places of, of smoke in the tabernacle. But even though there were three different smokes that were found in the tabernacle, there was only one fire. Someone say fire. fire. That's a picture and symbolic of there being only one spirit of God. Amen? So they weren't to offer strange fire. Someone say strange fire. We know that there was a couple of boys that got in serious trouble with God. Nadab and Abihu, I believe is their name, and they offered strange fire to God. And God took care of that right away. He judged it immediately. And the reason for that was because there was not supposed to be any fire in the holy place that didn't come from the tabernacle. In other words, they would take fire from the altar, the burnt offering that was out in the foyer, out in the courtyard. They would take the fire from that to light the fire of the incense on the altar. The fire was supposed to come from the tabernacle, amen? In other words, what, say, what it's saying is the sacrifice that you make is what also gives the fire to your prayer. Hello, somebody. The things that you bring to God, if they cost you something, they will have more power in your prayer life. Hello, somebody. So what you have to realize is that we don't need to offer strange fire to God. We need to offer fire that comes from the sacrifices that are in our life. When we make ourselves a living sacrifice to God, and it may be difficult, and people may laugh at us, and people may make jokes about us, but I want you to know that my sacrifice of living for God in front of others that have no value for God at all, and the lifestyle that I live in sharing Jesus Christ and speaking to somebody about who God is even though they may make fun of my faith I tell you it's more important to me to make a sacrifice with my life that produces a fire of the Holy Ghost that then I can take into my prayer closet and I can begin to pray with the power of the Holy Ghost in my life and I can see God do great things because from my belly flows rivers of living water not only by a passion but because there's also a fire inside of me for the things of God and while the sacrifice can seem great at times I will not offer anything to God that doesn't cost me something 2 Samuel 24 and 24 talks about David after he had numbered the children of Israel and even Joab one of his chief uh, members of the army when he was sent out to go and number from the, uh, from the tribe of Gad down to Bathsheba, Beersheba he was told Joab kind of buffeted the king and said do you really want to go and number all the people and, and the king said yeah my word the word stands and, and you should go and he began to do that it took him somewhere between eight and nine months to number all the people and he came back and said there's this many people in this tribe and there's this many people in the tribe of Judah and right then God smote David's heart and said you've done something wrong by numbering the people by showing by by desiring to see how many men how many men of of valor and men that drew the sword were under your kingship you you have puffed yourself up a little bit David and David's heart was struck you see David was one of those men that really was messed up all the time amen he really had a had a problem all the time but David could repent like nobody else David would get on the floor and snot and cry and repent of God and and everybody around him was like okay David it's good enough I think Jehovah knows it's it's all right because David even though he was messed up and he do all kinds of things wrong David knew how to seek his God David had a heart after God and and God said you may not be right and perfect David you may not even do things right all the time you may mess up from morning to afternoon and 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 you may not do things the way 
the way the, the people want you to do it, David. But I tell you what, David, if you keep that heart after God, I will use you. David didn't have qualifications, amen? But when Saul decided that he wanted the position more than he wanted the power of God in his life, God said, I'll go find a man that's unqualified and I'll make him qualified even though all he knows is raising sheep. I'll put him over, a, I'll put him over my kingdom because his heart's right. Amen? So you have to know that the altar, the brazen altar, is the center of the cross. It's supposed to be the center of us, our heart, the center of our lives. And if we have a prayer life with God, we will keep our heart right with God. Because when we have a prayer life with God, we desire to read his word. And the Bible says, if you've hidden his word in your heart, you shall not sin against God. Amen? So you have to know that the center of your life has got to be your prayer life. It's got to be the incense that goes up before God like the smoke of incense that would lift toward heaven and in doing so God is honored in our lives someone said amen prayer is meant to be the center of our life the tabernacle picture that I gave them was that the tabernacle had moved from the outside of the camp because when they first came out of Egypt God was like these are stiff-necked people. I, I don't even want to be near them. I can't be near them. I'm a holy God. And so he had a tabernacle outside. But as they began to learn of God through this furniture that God had them build and through the tabernacle relationship, these were all, as I said last week, techniques that God used to teach them who he was and what he likes. Amen? When you know who God is and what he likes, you can go to God very quickly. And you know what to do and what not to do to please your Lord. Amen? And so there's a very great power. It's very hard to teach somebody uh, the deep things of God if they don't know the basic layout of the tabernacle of Moses. Because the tabernacle of Moses was such a symbolic representation of what we are today in our own tabernacle. This earthly tabernacle that Jesus indwells. There's so much there. And so in the picture you see that eventually that God began to teach them so much that he became comfortable being in the midst of them. Amen. And he wanted the tabernacle set up right in the midst. So each one of those tribes were around, were around about the tabernacle. And as God began to teach the priests what they were to do, that they were to build garments in a certain way and there was supposed to be an ephod that the priests wore with, with stones that represented each one of these tribes, Simeon, Reuben, Gad, Zebulon, and on around Judah, which means worship, and on around those 12 different tribes, there were stones that were placed on a breastplate and the priest would wear that breastplate and every time the priest went into the Holy of Holies, he would wear that breastplate, which means that, that God's people were always on the heart of a priest, Amen. And God called us to be a kingdom of priests. So therefore, in the body of Christ, as we are the building of God or the tabernacle of God, if we are to wear the, the, the royal garments of the priesthood, then we have to realize that each one of us needs to be on our heart when we go before God. When we seek God in prayer, we should be praying our way through a church directory. When we seek God in prayer, we ought to be praying for the needs of a friend that's in the church and a brother or a sister we ought to be carrying up to God the needs of people that are near us in the house of God amen somebody my I'll take a, if you don't mind I'll take a break from this and I know you're here Reese I always put them up here and I'm, I got like several scriptures to them and I don't know if I'm ever going to get to it because I don't know how deep God wants me to go but I feel to tell you this my brother called me this week this just happened 
and a young man by the name of Jacob. In fact, I want to look at the message that I have because I want to make sure I get everything right. A young man by the name of Jacob was in, just got up on a normal morning. He was taking a shower and he, um, he went into the shower and then his wife, he's got a couple of girls. Um, it was quite a miracle. I want to just get the, the breakdown for you. But he has some children and, and, and his, his young children, he's very, a very busy father. But my brother said this. He said, I've been at the hospital visiting Jake is his name. He said he's a friend and he's 24 years old. Sunday morning getting ready for church, he fell out of the shower dead suddenly of a cardiac arrest. He literally felt his wife heard this and came running to his aid. He said his wife heard the crash and broke into the bathroom and did CPR on him for 30 minutes while the paramedics arrived. And he said that for there's been three notable miracles this week in his life. Even the doctors are calling him the miracle man because of prayer. And his wife began to do CPR and pray over him. And while she was praying, they showed up and they began to do administer different things and intubate him and they took him to the hospital. And the doctors would kept on coming in and coming out and saying different things throughout the, the following days. And they were saying, despite him being dead for nearly 30 minutes without oxygen, he had full brain restoration restored to him. The doctor said he's going to be a vegetable. He's going to come out, but he may not have all of his motor skills. He may not be able to process. And he's kind of like a savant with numbers. He's very smart with numbers. And so he, he came out of the coma. He was in a coma when my brother went to pray for him. He came out of the coma, and he went through all the prime numbers in the mathematics scale in a matter of a few seconds just to prove that his brain was good. He's like, Jesus healed me. Jesus brought me out. He was in a coma, and he came out of it. 30 minutes without oxygen to your brain, you don't live through that, brothers and sisters, without the miracle of God. And then on Wednesday, the cardiac surgeon came in, and he was crying. He said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the his heart has been damaged by him being out for so long, and we're going to have to do a heart transplant on him. We've already put him on the donor list. We're trying to get a heart flown in, medevaced in, so that we can do a full heart transplant. This happened this week, brother. This isn't stuff that happened in the Bible. This happened this week. He said, we're going to need to do that. He has a 30% chance of even making it through the heart transplant. And so as that happened on Wednesday, they prayed for him again. I love it when prayer happens, when incense goes up to God, amen? They prayed for him again, and then the surgeon came back in after they did some more testing after the prayer, and the cardiac surgeon came in, and he's crying again. <laughs> this is the cardiac surgeon. He's weeping in front of these people. He said, I'm so sorry to scare you. We just found out his heart's working 100% normal. Full functionality has restored to his heart. All because of somebody praying, amen? Somebody offering the incense to God. And so the heart transplant was canceled on Wednesday afternoon. And he's eating and walking now and he's talking. And the thing that's most beautiful is the fact that all of the activities that took place took place and were tested beforehand as being something wrong with them. They knew they needed to do it. And then prayer took place. And then they have tests afterwards to prove that God did the miracles. So the doctors can't even deny it. They can't say anything to it because they have tests before saying, yep, you need it. Or yep, he was dead too long. He's going to stay a vegetable. And then afterwards, he's sitting there normal, healthy, eating a meal, playing with his kids, talking to his family, having his pastor show up. All because God can do miracles miracles today if we learn how to get a fire of prayer in our hearts right. Right. oh my goodness 
And so I was just excited about that. And that's not just one that I've experienced. There's other ones that I've experienced. I've experienced where a young boy was riding his snowmobile in Alaska and he came around a corner and there was a, there was a, a, a road there and he went over the road, but there was a guy that just got his license in a truck, a young boy, and he didn't see him because of the way the trail went over the road. And the, he came out on the trail and didn't have enough time to stop the truck and he ran right over him and over the snowmobile. And the truck literally came to a skid and a stop, resting on the boy's chest over into the edge of the ditch and they couldn't get the vehicle off of him so they began to yell for the mother and dad because the boy was very young he was about six years old I believe at the time and they began to yell for the mother and dad because he was playing in the yard and he crossed the street and somebody ran over and knocked on the house and said is this your boy and they're like yes he's just been hit by a truck would you come and the dad and they, the mother got over there and she's just holding her boy's head as he's underneath the weight of this truck and he's struggling to breathe can't lift the truck with his chest so she's just holding his head and watching her son died right in her hands and she begins to pray a prayer to God. She had nothing that she could do. She just literally sat there and watched her boy die. And they said, would you, would you please get something? And they called back to the dad and the dad had some sort of bucket, bucket device, a, a tractor and he ran into the garage and he got the tractor and some chains and he went over and they started hooking up the back of the truck to try to lift it off of the boy so they could get him out. And they lifted it and they pulled him out and he was already lifeless. And he had been lifeless for 45 minutes by the time the American the um the emergency people showed up and they put him in the back of an ambulance and they drove down the road and mom and dad hopped in and they went to the to the hospital with them and when I went to preach there that that next like three months later that boy was sitting at the front worshiping God still in a wheelchair but God had completely restored him to the point that he was now sitting there cognitive he was able to take in what was going on in the service and he was able to lift his hands and worship God they said this boy would never do anything but take in food and applesauce and God healed him when they went to the hospital to pray because somebody got on their knees and said God I don't know what you got to do but you've got to do something for this young boy and because of the desire in their hearts God answered and God heard his arm is not short brothers and sisters his ears are not deaf if you get a burning passion inside of you and you let that incense of prayer go up to God, he will hear and he will answer. He will answer. They told us about George Finney yesterday and how George Finney would go as an evangelist into cities and he would turn them upside down. But what they didn't tell us about was a man that had an altar of incense in his life. And I believe his name is David Adams, but I can't remember exactly his whole name. But he was George Finney's prayer warrior. And he would go into the city where he was going to go preach. And he would preach in those cities coming behind him. But that man would go in two to three weeks, sometimes even a month beforehand. And he would just lay on his face. And he would just pray for God to break open doors. And whenever he died, they put on his tombstone that he was a partner or laborer with Finney and a fervent prayer warrior or fervent prayer something along those lines but that he was a laborer with Finney he never probably even preached never probably even tried to draw anybody to an altar call but he was a prayer warrior and he changed things amen that boy that was in that wheelchair now is standing walking playing doing everything a normal boy should do but it was because somebody decided I'm not letting go of that boy there's no reason for him to die amen I don't know if that strikes you as being too heavy or not, but 
we walk through life every single day on our jobs and with what we do on a daily basis. And you have to know you have that kind of power. You need to pray those kind of prayers and you need to pray them in Jesus' name because that's where the authority and the power is. Nate, if you'd like that incense, I want you to bring it to me in just a second. But what you have to understand is that Jesus is the mediator for us. That because he came, that he brought the possibility for us to take prayers to God. If you have, what's that? It won't light. All right, well, then just stuff them all in there and bring them to me. We'll do it as, a, as an, if you find that first verse, that first verse I gave you. What, what happens is not only did they have incense that went up before God from the altar, but we have to realize that that's a picture of our prayers. And if we get passionate about prayer, this is a bunch of incense. Maybe somebody in here would be happy that I didn't like that. I don't know. They'd have a reaction to it. So let's go to Psalms 141. <clears throat> Psalms 141, uh, verses 1 and 2. Yes. Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. What did David call prayer? He called it incense. So this was a picture, this altar of incense was a picture of prayer in our life. So David said, read that one more time. I want everybody to hear it. One, Psalms 141 and 2, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And David said, let my prayers be set before you. How many know prayer is eternal? If I were to bow my knee right here and say, Lord, would you please touch my mother? Would you heal her body? That prayer becomes eternal. It's your opportunity to do something that lives beyond you. If we ever understand the value of prayer, brother, we'll realize that each one of us individually has the ability to bring prayer, each and every one of us, to the house of God. I'm going to give this to somebody. I'll give this to you. So you have the ability to pray. Tanya has the ability to pray. Maddie has the ability to pray. Sister Gannon's too far down there. I'll come back to her, maybe. <laughs> she already knows how to pray. <laughs> she doesn't need incense to pray. Ellen knows how to pray. And then I'll give, I'll give some over here. Okay, so what takes place here is we're, we're not going to light these, obviously, but I want you to see what I'm talking about. Is each one of us individually have to take the responsibility for prayer. I'm just going to stop there. So what I'd like to do is say, for instance, you have prayer needs that you're, you've been praying. You lift those up to God as an incense. Now, each one of you um, need to know that is our mediator and he is the one that takes those prayers before the eternal spirit of God so if you read that next passage for me I, I really appreciate that we're talking about building God's house and when we're praying we're praying for needs go ahead and read that if you have it the next one down I believe it's uh, Revelations chapter 8 Revelations chapter 8 verses 2 through 4 and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Look what happens. This is the end of time. And here are all the prayers. So everyone bring me your prayers. Come up and bring your prayers. Now, I'm standing in as Jesus Christ. We bring our prayers to Jesus. Go ahead and put them in there if it'll fit. You bring your prayers to the Lord, each one of us. 
It's getting more difficult, isn't it? These are the very difficult prayers right here. Here, let's do this. All right. It's not the perfect solution, but... And then you know what, you know what Jesus does? Jesus took that incense and he takes it and he goes in into the holy place and he brings those prayers before God, amen? Right in here. And then where God is, where God dwells, is where our prayers stay. And they're kept until this day in Revelations. Whenever, read that one more time. I just love the wording there. And the smoke... And the smoke of the incense which came up, or which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. Look at the picture of that. As the as the ascended out of the angels' hand, those were the prayers of the saints. That's why it's important that we pray, because we're doing something. If you if you know this, you'll stop hitting the snooze alarm at six a.m. I've got five different alarms on my phone at six a.m. Okay, it's six oh one, six oh two, six oh five, six oh seven. I drive my wife crazy, but it's because I'm sometimes I'm really tired to get up for prayer. Hello, somebody want to be real with me? Sometimes it's very difficult in the morning to get this flesh out of bed to pray. But I know that it's important enough for me to have seven different different alarms in the morning for me to get up and go to prayer because I'm doing something that's eternal and whatever I pray will someday be brought by an angel before God as the prayers and incense that God will honor and I'm really excited to know that God hears every single one of us I don't have a better special prayer you don't have a better special prayer there's no big eyes and little U's in the church God knows what our heart needs and what we need to pray and he knows how he knows how to hold on to those things. You, you, there's two things I want to say. Number one is when you take it to Jesus, you've, not, you've taken it to the best person you can take it to. And number two, you tell me who could ever take my prayers out of the hands of God? Who could ever remove what I take to Jesus? Is there anything developed in any strategy of the devil or Satan that could come and steal the prayers that I prayed out of the hands of God in flesh? Is there anybody who has the power or the authority to step in and derail my prayers when they're already in God's hands? If you put something in God's hands, oh, I feel like getting on a chair for this one. If you put something in God's hands, it is taken care of you can go to the bank with it you can be determined that God's going to do a work in that thing because nobody can touch it he marches it right into the place of God as our mediator between God he's our he's our attorney he stands in for us when we don't deserve it he stands up and says I'll defend them I'll be the one that takes care of it I'm the one that will plead their case I'm the one that will will ask for mercy will ask for grace on their behalf God is ever liveth the bible says to make intercession for us this is a picture of Jesus Christ Amen? It's a picture of him. He prays for us and intercedes for us. And then the spirit of God that he puts inside of us makes groanings and utterances that we cannot even speak. Amen? Because our God is bigger than words. We need to know that. We need to know that God's bigger than our language. We need to know that God's not American. <laughs> He's not American. He is so much bigger. He knows every language. He knows every tongue. 
But I tell you what, his word is written for me so that I have power and might. And if they ever come for me while they're dragging me away, I'll be quoting scripture. I'll be praying to God. I'll be talking about how great is my God if they take me away and dragging me from my heels. I'll be talking about there's no weapon formed against me that shall ever prosper because I've not only put my prayers in his hands, I've put my life in his hands. And there's nothing anybody can do to take me out of his hands. Amen. Amen. I'm safe in him. Amen. What was the next verse I gave you? We'll stop there today. I just want you to know that there's power in prayer. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Psalms 4 and 1 talks about his he would have mercy and he would hear my prayer psalms 145 did you guys get these psalms 145 and 18 says the lord is near the lord is near unto all them that call upon him to all that call upon him in truth proverbs 15 and verse 29 says the Lord is far from the wicked but he heareth the prayer of the righteous everyone say prayer Prayer. everyone say it's in his hands amen I'm glad I put these things in his hands on a daily basis Matthew 7 and 11 says that God would give us good gifts if you then being evil talk Jesus talking to somebody know how to give good gifts to your children your earthly children how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him everyone say ask that's all we have to do the scripture tells us that if we ask we shall receive in Luke 6 and 12 Jesus spent all night praying the scripture talks about he continued all night in prayer to God in Philippians 4 and 6 we see that that we are to be anxious for nothing. It says, be careful for nothing in one translation, or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. How are we supposed to do it? By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then, of course, in Colossians 4 and 2, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. There's so much more to that that I don't have time to address. Paul said to Timothy, who was a young man, in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, he urged Timothy that he should pray first, that the first thing he should do is pray. Everyone say prayer. Prayer. Because prayer keeps us in line with God. So I guess I would need to tell you this. To finish up here today, prayer changes the environment. Prayer changes us. And prayer gives us access to things that we did not pay for. Even though we give God our sacrifice, there is so much more available to us when we begin to pray. Anybody have a pair of keys? Can I borrow? Yeah, a key. All right, I got a new ride home. (laughs) He wasn't going to give them to me after I said that. This is a switchblade kind of key. I'll probably play with that the whole time I'm speaking now because of my ADD. Um, I don't, I'm sure this is a nice car, um, but I didn't get a loan for this car. 
and I did not pay a single payment on this car. But it's a nice car. If I go out to the parking lot and I click this button, it'll tell me which car it is. I didn't go pick out the car. I didn't even have to test drive the car. I didn't have to get the car here. But because I have the key, I can go in, get in the car, and start that car up, and I can drive away. Not because it's my car, but because I have the key. And so you have to understand that when we move on from Moses' tabernacle into David's tabernacle, you have to realize that David found something a whole time period before he should have found it out, and that is praise brings God's presence. And David found the key to God is that whenever you, you don't have to necessarily purchase everything that God purchased for you, but you have to know the key to get God there. And that is your praise. David had the key to God. So he didn't have to know, he didn't have to do all of the things that were required of him, uh, required to get those access to those special blessings. He literally jumped from the Old Testament into the New Testament. He went all the way into the dispensation of what they call grace because we now praise God to have access to the throne room of God. Come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. How do we do that? We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. David found out before he was supposed to find out that the key that drove God was the key of praise. Amen? And so he didn't have to know everything about the church age that would come thousands of years later. He just knew God loves something about my worship. God loves something about my praise. There's something about God that's drawn to me when I begin to lift him up and magnify him. He found the key to the tabernacle. And he just got in the car, turned the key. The car doesn't discriminate. The car doesn't check your background car doesn't ask you if you were good enough today to be driving me. The car doesn't even ask you your age. The car just wants to know, do you have the key to turn the engine on? And if you find out that prayer is the key that moves God, that starts God up and gets him going, you'll find out that there are things that you will live a lifetime trying to figure out that God can fix in a second for you if you just pray about it. If you take the key of prayer, put it in the car, and just turn it over and say, God, you drive. You take the wheel. I'm not going to try to drive this anymore. I'm not going to try to control this anymore. Have you ever surrendered anything to God before? Be real with me right now. Isn't it hard? We fight so hard to surrender. It's within our nature to fight to live, obviously. And I think it translates into so many other things. But if we truly learn how to surrender to God everything... We will find out what that man that traveled with Finney found out. He said at the end of his life that he was just beginning to know what the power of prayer can do. If we would learn that, we won't struggle with the value of prayer anymore. We won't struggle with prayer time. We won't struggle with fighting prayer over social media. We will just go right to God and take care of it. Would you stand with me? I know that when you preach about prayer, it's something that sometimes people applaud and then it's so hard to do in our personal life. We all struggle with prayer time. I guarantee you, if we're all honest, we struggle with getting prayer time. But if you spend some moments, if you just go out to your car over lunch and just sit there and just talk to God like he's sitting in the passenger seat right next to you, 
if you just get up in the morning and spend just a few minutes with your word and with giving him some words. He'll change your life, amen? He'll change your life. I don't know how else to say that, but the fact that prayer is forever. Jesus, in this room, there are people that have prayed prayers. There are family members that are generational blessings that have things that are laid onto their life right now that their grandparents prayed, that their mother and father prayed. And Lord, in this room, there are people that are just now beginning to seek God. And they want to know what it is to have an altar of incense in their life. They want to know what it's like to have a place where you are the light of their life and where you are the bread of life to them. Where you're their nourishment and where you're their way, Jesus. Would you continue to help us to grow, each and every one of us, and not let us be stopped by the things that this world tries to throw in our way and the things that are dead and the things that are lifeless and the things that don't give us any satisfaction or any joy and the things that are trying to be sold to us on a daily basis. This will make you happy. This will make you energetic. This will make you uh, be liked by other people. All of those things are just dead things that don't really bring true satisfaction to the soul. But Lord God, would you let us step into a place of prayer where the incense of God and those prayers begin to change the smell Lord God of what happens in the atmosphere and change our hearts Lord God what happens in us begins to change Lord Jesus because the prayers affect everything would you begin to change us even in this room as I pray this prayer Lord God would you be the one that lets the incense lets the 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 thing that changes us just begin to permeate this environment lord god would you be our mediator today there's things that we don't even know about there's things that we don't even know are going to happen in this next week we need you jesus to affect the atmosphere we need you lord god to be the god that we put our life into your hands lord god the god that we put our our hope into your hands that you would control it you would run the plan for our life in jesus name